everybody to the Satisfied God podcast. Raven Bird with you. Today, I have a special, special surprise. I called you special. And, uh, personal study. <laughs> this is uh, John Casera. You guys are familiar with him. He's been on the podcast a few times. It has unfortunately been a long time uh, between times with him and I came and remedied that. Fortunately, he's now living close enough where I can bother him more often. And today we have also a studio audience, which is my wife and my dog, <laughs> uh, which is my normal crowd that I draw when I speak. So I'm glad you guys are with us and you're going to enjoy this. I've, John and I have been talking uh, off the microphone more than uh, on it, so... We've already had a podcast this morning. John, thanks for being willing to do this again. Uh, <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> Just uh, glad to be here with uh, Raven and Kim. We're having a good time. And uh, part of that good time is just sharing the Lord, uh, the grace of God in Christ. And that's what we're going to do today is just sharing the grace of God in Christ that's been a, applied to every soul that's uh, come to Jesus, that is that has uh, really come, like Jesus says, come unto me and I'll give you rest. Yeah. To everyone that um, ha- have, has done that and has received Christ, where Christ has entered their soul, this is for... Uh, for us and for anybody else who's listening mm-hmm. who uh, wants to uh, have that uh, have 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 a true real wonderful relationship with God right from the start not later on but right from the start just uh we begin at the finish line mm-hmm. And that's the most one. It's you get on your mark, get set, it's over with. Yeah. You can rest. When Jesus says, Come unto me, I'll give you rest, it's immediate rest. And that's how come he says, When you come, rest. And the whole journey after that is finding the rest that we that has been a, applied to our soul and relationship with God forever and truly defines the word Sabbath. Yeah, you're meaning discover the yeah the fullness of that rest, what it really means, who it really is. Amen. Yeah, not find it as if it's off away from us. Right, yeah. right. Uh, the Sabbath is applied to the soul mm-hmm. right when it comes to the Lord of the Sabbath. Let me just say to somebody that may be listening and you're hearing something different than this, you're hearing... You're not hearing rest for your soul as the immediate consequence of new birth. This is particularly to you. Not so you can go and debate whoever's telling you the other, but so that you can put this before the Lord and allow him to display his goodness to you personally, to show you that what we're saying is true. Not just true, the truth with regard to your soul. 
I realize, and we're going to talk about this, but I realize there's so many things that will say the opposite that will occur to you, incur in your situations or whatever that could demonstrate to you that that cannot be so. But what we're going to talk about today is the fact that in the midst of all of that, it is so. In the midst of your mess ups and your confusion and all of that stuff, theologically confused, however, because, hey, if there's ever been somebody that was theologically confused, you're listening to his voice right now. Me. I was the most confused human on the face of the earth. And that confusion will persist. However, if you're born again, God's not confused with regard to your soul or, or the state of that soul. God's not confused. He knows he where knows. you are because he's put you there and he keeps you there. And that is the place of his own Sabbath, his rest. That's where we abide. And we're going to define who that is, what that means. But I want you, you know, those of you who are not hearing rest for your soul taught as the immediate reality of being born again. What you're hearing is not the truth. What you're hearing on this podcast, and I don't say that in any arrogant way, but what you're going to hear from John and whatever I interject is the truth regarding salvation. It is immediate, it is immense, and it is perfect. And it, it has the power to keep you even when you're not able to keep yourself. And that's just true. It overrides us. That's the beauty. It doesn't mm -hmm. fix us. And the whole thing is validated at the end when we're fully fixed. The fix comes as an internal gift of mercy and grace provided to the soul. And as John said, the journey from that moment on is to see the true remedy that has been provided to the soul instantaneously. Our journey is to eternally comprehend the immensity, the beauty, and the fullness, as Paul will say, the length, breadth, depth, and height of that love of God that has been given. So stay tuned to hear that. I, I just wanted to point that out. Amen to that for sure. Um, just to, just to kind of get a, just a, a better comprehension of what we've received when you receive Christ uh, is a tremendous thing because it, it, Jesus says, but to as many, John says this about Christ, to as many as received him, to them gave he the legal right, the power to become yep. a son of God. Now here's the important thing here that, that follows that verse. And this is uh, out of John chapter one, and I'm not sure exactly what um, uh, verse this is, but it says, who are born. Now we're talking about the new birth here. Who are born. And I'm gonna, I think I'll just turn to that to read it. Yeah. And it, it goes on, I'll just read that verse 12 uh, that I just recited. But as many as received him to them gave he power. And, and Raven came and searched that out, means legal right. 
to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which are born. Now, this is important, not of blood. Now, he's referring to mankind here. You're not born of mankind here. Uh, no, and he wants to make that sure that man is not included here as part of an active, any part of this uh, new birth, except as a recipient of it, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. Uh, now, he's, it's amazing how he emphasizes that man in three different ways has nothing to do with this. And the type and the shadow of this that Raven brought out in times past is that when you can, you can define this better than I can, Raven, because I've, I've heard you say this, and when, when uh, God was making a covenant with uh, Abraham, mm. And he had Abraham go and get these, you know, different animals, a different animals, and divide them and set them up. And then the, uh, and, and then when he was going to make that covenant with him, he put Abraham to sleep. Right. And uh, the horrors of death, kind of like I forget something like it, comes over him. Yeah. Because this, the horror, yeah, the horrors of death uh, or darkness, I can't darkness, remember right? Something. Like yeah, that. yeah, came over him because. All of a sudden, there's man state. That's man state. <laughs> the horrors of death <laughs> and darkness. And darkness. He's he's getting Abraham way out of this picture. Yes. And saying, "Hey, Abraham's losing his life here mm-hmm. because he's going to find it in another." He's dead in darkness. Yeah. And there's a covenant. And there's a covenant that's being made, be made at the same time that's happening. Yeah. And this is how come you. And can this re- corresponds to why we were dead in sin. When uh, we were without strength, Christ died for us. That's what it's referring to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a covenant being made in the midst of our being in darkness and death or put sleep as he puts him there in time. Absolutely. And, and so this covenant is, it comes and you've got a, the, the, uh, the fire and the torch, mm-hmm. which is the covenant between the father and the son is being made. And then Abraham... Now, you can say, is brought into that covenant. Yeah, the end of it. uh, Well, first of all, they walk through, which is in the old covenant, what a covenant cut was. It was you go in between the dead bodies, the corpse of the animals, and you're walking together through that. And that binds you together in the death of it. And so it, it just shows perfectly that Abraham was not an active part of this as in making and determining the power and validity of the covenant. God did it with himself. Right. You know, and that's the beauty of it all. In the midst of him being dead, darkness, the horrors of it upon him, God's cutting a covenant himself, validating a covenant with himself. Then when all that's over, it says he brings he basically brings Abraham into his covenant. He says, my covenant I make with you. Not I'm going to make a covenant with you. My covenant that's already established in me, apart from you, I bring you into it. That's the beauty of it all. 
that it's out of Abraham's hands. He has no active role, meaning he can't mess it up. Look at all the things he did throughout his life. From I mean, after that moment, he was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. There was one really big problem that happened. However, you go into Galatians or Romans 4, that is never even mentioned, the whole Ishmael situation. Why? Because in God's view, his covenant kept it perfect. Man's faux pas and flaws didn't, didn't change anything. It was ratified at that moment. Outside, just what you're reading, not of flesh, not of man, not of bloods. If it was about bloods and men and all that stuff, it would have been dead on arrival. Amen. But God showing the overarching power and keeping strength of the covenant is that Abraham, you can you can mess up all you want. I've got this. This is my doing. And that's and that's what this verse here, 13, in John is saying that this is God's thing. Yep. This is his thing. This isn't man's thing. And somehow man man thinks it's his thing. And that's a come you have so many variations of salvation Mm -hmm. because man's injected into it. And but salvation as far as God's concerned is his thing. And it's all about his point of view of it, not man's point of view of it. Yeah. Man's point of view of it does not change God's point of view of it. Right. And our relationship to this salvation is that we have, we're coming to know as we're known. Yes. Our knowing doesn't uh, change the salvation one way or the other, whether we're knowing right or wrong. Right. If, if you're born again, this is all about God knowing you and you coming to a, a comprehension of how he knows you and and so that your comprehension is not changing from day to day. Well, right. is that your, your state. Your state is not changing from day to day depending on your comprehension. There you go. It's secured in God's view of our salvation right when we are born again. I had someone recently asked me about that. He wanted me to clarify that statement. You know, you're known. The the security of salvation is not in our knowing of God, but in God's knowing of us. And, you know, I don't know how much more simple it can be stated, but the beauty of that is, you know, all of our energies go into trying to know God, trying to relate to God, have relationship with God. And that's what Christianity teaches you. You've got to do these things to keep a relationship with God and, and know God in a certain way. But basically what we're trying to do is get God to divert his attention from the one he looks to, to define our salvation and define our relationship to look at us and say, know me too, relate to me too. Because again, that's the arrogance of man, that we're that important and that we have such a defining and definite role to play that makes a difference in any way. 
you know, it's the arrogance, uh, you know, like with Abraham, that whole thing we just talked about. Then he produces Ishmael because, you know, I've got to have my hands in this somewhere. You know, I've got to do something. It's like the arrogance of productivity. I've got to produce. Amen. Uh, when God said, I'll do it. I can do this. And God made sure of it because he, he waited till the man was dead in his body and his wife was dead in her body. Both of them were dead and could not produce a thing. You know what that does? Takes you right back to Abraham over here, dead, asleep, darkness. That's his state. He can't do it. But in the midst of that, he says, hey, I got to do something to make this so. So there's this productivity we're always geared to, and religion just feeds it. Absolutely. That natural mind feeds it because we don't understand this whole goodness of God that has been given to those who didn't deserve it, did nothing to deserve it or qualify for it. It's a gift. It's mercy extended. You know, so that's the whole that's the whole thing. And what you were saying a while ago when he when he took the uh yeah, when they went to the marriage supper, you remember in Matthew twenty two, it says the servants went out into the highways and gathered. This is after the others had not come or would refuse to come. And listen to how it's worded. So the servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. Now, that flies in the face of our idea of what salvation is all about. We think it's to bring in the good and to make the good. You know, we got to produce good people. This was, we brought them all in. And now the whole thing is furnished and full. There was no distinctions made here and all that stuff. Why? Because good and bad doesn't matter once you enter into the wedding. Amen. Once you come into the banquet and you eat him, eat his flesh, drink his blood, partake of the lamb, which was the sacrifice. There's no good or bad here. We are one in Christ Jesus, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You can look at me, I can look at you all day and make judgments as far as good and bad goes. But again, that's just the knowledge of good and evil functioning in natural men. But that knowledge of good and evil is not the knowledge of God. Amen. The knowledge of good and bad pertaining to fleshly pursuits and conduct, that's not God's knowledge. There's only one good. It's God. How do you measure up to that measure? See, that's the point. We have to see how God defines things and understand it has to be beyond the treasure or the vessel. It has to be found in something greater than the vessel because God understood the weakness of the vessel. God understood the vessel is not the, the objective. A good vessel, a bad vessel, not the objective. So he overrides all of that in a gift. Amen. So um, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Raymond. The less I have to speak. No, I want you to. Just, <laughs> the better off we all are. I don't, I don't <laughs> anyway. I don't want to take your time. This born again experience <coughs> that excludes man. Drink that coffee. <laughs> um, you know, this is an important statement 
because it relates to what Jesus says to Nicodemus mm -hmm. when he says, you must be born again. Now, you know, Nicodemus is coming and he's kind of like a wide open, I don't know, he's, he's, he's confused about all of this. And Jesus cuts to the chase and says, he, he's not trying to figure out Nicodemus at all and all these different ways he could kind of figure out what, you know, where he's at. He just comes up and says, you must be born again. Yeah. I mean, just right out of clear blue sky, you must be born again, referring to that being born of God. Yeah. And, and Nicodemus is confused about that. And then Jesus brings the, the thing into a spiritual realm and, you know, the way God views this thing. And Romans 5 is all about this, this one statement, and the new birth is based on this. And this is how come it's immediate. There's a rightly dividing of the word of truth right here when Jesus says and defines the new birth as that which is flesh is flesh, that which is spirit is spirit. That which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And there's no mixture here. There's no mixture here between the earthen vessel and the spirit of Christ in that earthen vessel. And now I'm gonna to go to a scripture that really defines that. And, uh, uh, and but it's, it's just important to see just, uh, that's a come, this is, you're born, it, this new birth is, exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. Yeah. It is, you know, I always kind of relate it as, you know, hitting God's lottery <laughs> because this is a supersonic gift yeah. that's given. And I'm going to talk about that right now in Second uh, Corinthians 4, 7. Now, Raven's going to read a little bit more here on this, uh, uh, you know, around it but I'm gonna just start right here. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now here you see where that which is flesh is flesh, that which is spirit is spirit. This is all about, and the new birth where Christ enters the soul and Christ in this definition, that the excellency of the power may be of God and, and not of us, that's in re relationship to the treasure that Christ is when he comes into the soul of a believer. Yeah. Christ in you, which is the power of God, the excellence of the power, which is Christ is the power of God. That treasure is in reference to Christ and the believer right when they're born again. Yes. That's when the division comes between the earthen vessel and the spirit of Christ that enters into the soul of that um, believer at that particular time. And right then, that's where you have the beginning of an absolute treasure relationship with God that is not based on the flesh, but is totally based on the spirit. Right. There's where it's divided. And every believer that, you know, who were Christ, where they're truly born again and Christ enters that soul. And 
And that's not an awakening of a Christ that was already in the soul. No, that's Christ enter in, in, entering in, into a soul that was born in death and darkness. That's light shining into the darkness of a soul. That's what he says right, right around that. Right around that. Verse six. Verse six, go ahead. I mean, that's, verse five says, we preach not ourselves. Amen. But Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And then we have this treasure. That's the treasure we have. And that's the whole point. That's why we don't preach ourselves. Amen. That's why we don't preach the vessel. That's why we don't preach the natural. That's why we don't preach us. Why? It's not of us. The power of this, the excellency of the power of this is his, not ours. And if you understand that and recognize that in just a scripture way, what do we preach if we preach ourselves? What are we preaching if we're the center point and the object of it. When this whole thing says, this is the power of this is God's. That the whole point of giving us a treasure was because the earthen vessel, it's to demonstrate the weakness of the vessel in the in contrast to the power of the treasure in it. That's the point. Amen. So when you're preaching the vessel, what are you preaching? You're preaching the weakness and the fragility and the questionability and the doubt-ridden qualities of that vessel. And we call that gospel. Why? Because we say the vessel can get fixed. God can fix the vessel. This is the whole point. God's going to fix the vessel. He's going to make it right. And one day, this vessel is going to manifest the power of the treasure. Bull. (laughs) That's a theological term. Yeah, boom. <laughs> that treasure abides solely in itself. It is he contains himself perfectly. He is the thing that holds it all together. He makes it all real. The vessel is merely a beneficiary of something he is and has done and he's accomplished it. And that work of mercy has been given to the soul. Because here's, I'm not going to take a lot of time, but this refers back to chapter three. Because we preach not ourselves, because we have a treasure and we preach the treasure. Why? Because the first order of things, the first ministry where men were dead in sin, That ministry was a ministry of death and a ministry of condemnation. Christ comes and brings something more excellent, something greater, exceeding. It answers to the excellency of the power of God being the treasure. This exceeding covenant, this new thing that he brought into being was greater. It was life, not death. It It was glorious and not without glory as the first in comparison. But if we preach ourselves, if we preach vessel, 
and not treasure, what's going to happen? Condemnation. Immediately. Immediately. We go back and think, we assume our perspective is we're still in a state of condemnation. Why? Because there's no answer. Amen. The answer comes in another man. The answer comes in a treasure that's given as a gift, not in the vessel that's trying and trying and trying. And that's why so many think that the whole point is that God's work is to answer our theological questions and to give us some kind of a remedy to our natural situations. That's not. Mm -hmm. The answer came in the form of the riches of the grace of God, which is the same as saying the treasure that is in these vessels that defines reality in the midst of the weakness of an earthen vessel. And that's in the sight of God. You may not see that yet. You may not understand that to be the truth yet, but God does. That's what it means to be known of God. To know as we are known is to finally have the perception of the soul oriented toward the treasure instead of the vessel. Amen. Now we validating part. And thank God it doesn't. Amen. You know, that's why so many are in an upheaval about their salvation. This next verse here, I have many things to say right now, but this next verse kind of excludes. We've got plenty of time. We excludes this earthen vessel relationship with God. Yes. Because all of a sudden, you got a whole slew of negatives coming in here <laughs> yeah. to the max. I would say. So if you're gonna you're gonna have an earthen relationship with God, you know, then you're gonna have a. And if you read this next verse, you're gonna have you're gonna have a bad one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're troubled on every side. How does that sound like a wonderful thing? Praise Jesus. Yeah. You know. Uh, yet not distressed. Yeah. Now that. See, the first part is the earthen vessel. The second part refers to the treasure. The anchor of it. Too. The anchor the of anchor it of the in soul. the midst of it. Absolutely. And then it goes on. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Yeah. See, we got a perple- you're going to be perplexed in the earthen vessel realm, but in the treasure realm, you're not in despair because you've got a treasure. Right. And this treasure is the ultimate treasure. Yes. There's no other greater treasure. When God says treasure, he's, he preempts all treasures yeah. of your comprehension. Yeah, like I said, there's no natural equivalence to this. No treasure. natural equivalence. We can't, we can't relate to anything with that. It's come, it's called exceedingly abundantly. <laughs> what you could think. <laughs> yeah, right. Beyond, you yeah. know, and uh, what you can ask or think. See, this is a big, Big, oh yeah. man, this is a good trip. I always call it. <laughs> <laughs> I, and then what is here saying, if you're having a really bad earthen vessel day, that you still are on a good trip yeah, because of the right. treasure that's in the vessel is always greater than the earthen vessel. Yeah. And that's how come this is so beautiful. And that's how come the cross actually had to came into existence mm-hmm. so that because of what Jesus did there in his death, burial, and resurrection, he could give you a tre- treasure relationship with God. He's switching where you, he, you could have a treasure relationship with God 
and not an earthen vessel one, yeah. that's a big deal. It is very. That's a big deal. And that's a come the price of the cross. And so did you count the cost, Jesus? Yeah, I counted the cost. Because I want to give, I, God is love. He's not just giving love. No, he is love. And love never fails. And he goes to the cross and he doesn't fail. He right. brings about a salvation to the soul, to as many as received him, where they would have a him relationship with God instead of a them relationship with God. Absolutely. Instead of an earthen vessel relationship with God, they could have a treasure relationship with God, which is he himself, Christ in you. Yes. You know, and, and that brings into just for a second. Go ahead. That brings into the whole verse of he sent his word and healed them. Go ahead. Right? Right on. And he sends his word and it does not return to him void. It accomplishes what he sent it for. There was a healing necessary, and that's what we're talking about. Not a physical, again, we take the word healing, immediately we're you know, bring it to the vessel and say the whole thing, the whole point of it, if I'm sick, God's going to heal my vessel. He's going to heal this earthen vessel. That's the point. God's healing is deeper. I'm not saying you won't heal your earthen vessel, but always understand, even when he does, if he does, there is a healing that is much greater and deeper that, that Christ brought about. And that healing was not I, but Christ. It's the healing of the soul Amen. that was infirmed and dead and corrupt. He brought a true healing to that soul. By his stripes we're healed. That's what that refers to. By his stripes you were healed in Peter. That's what that refers to. It's about a soul being saved and a soul being healed and made whole how are we made whole? Not in dependence upon the vessel and its power or its strength or, you know, again, we've talked about this. What about when the vessel breaks down? What about when the mind's gone? What about when the bodily functions begin to deteriorate? Where's your standing with God now? Man. When that was the thing that kept you and sustained you? No, the keeping power, the sustaining power has to be greater than you. It has to be. And God's grace has provided such a keeping, such a anchoring power. I mean, let's let's go just for a moment. Charlene. Right on. Your wife, who's unfortunately passed away from cancer. There were those who were telling her, here's God's will. Here's God's purpose. Healing your body. And she held to that and wanted that. And rightfully so. But in the midst of that, you were preaching and declaring to her the greater healing. And it gave her soul solace. It gave her, in the midst of all of that, you know, you could speak to that, but in the midst of that, it, it, it kept her, you know, from losing hope because you had set hope in another realm, in the true realm of it, where reality is truly defined. And that is the healing of the soul and Christ being in it. And so she could, you know, pursue the knowing of that reality instead of, you know, be dismayed 
for the months and times that what they said didn't come to pass. Amen. Because they had the vessel in, in view. Amen. And I would tell her, you have a treasure relationship with God, not a cancer relationship with God. Right. You know, and the fact is, and, and me, and, me and Raven were discussing this because people think that, you know, healing is on the same level as the healing of the body is on the same level as the healing of the soul. Yeah. But see, when, when... Meaning they think that the physical healing of the body is in the redemption. Right. It, you know, healing is part of the, how do they say it? Uh, is in, redemp in the redemption that it yeah. took place. So that's where they go with Isaiah 53. That's what, yeah. And, yeah. and, and the, the thing is, um, when a person is born again, because we're back down to the new birth, because the new birth is the foundation of your relationship with God. Right. Because right then the treasure comes in. Right then you have a treasure relationship with God. You don't have an earthen, wood, hay, stubble relationship with God. Right. Because if you, you know, and this is what happens if you want to have, you want to hang on to an earthen relationship with God. You got a hood, a wood, hay, stubble relationship with God yeah. that's, man, that's vulnerable. Subject to all Subject to all these elements that Paul is talking about after he makes a distinction between the earthen vessel and the treasure. You, you've got all kinds of things that can happen and he's, and it's happening to him, right. you know, yeah. to the nth degree. Sometimes I think God could show us Hey, you ain't got an earthen vessel relationship with God. You have a treasure relationship with yep. God, just like Paul did. Because yep. nobody gets a different relationship with God. You know, yep. everybody who's born again has a treasure relationship with God. And that's become the body of Christ is defined based on a treasure relationship with God. Well, how big is this treasure? Well, okay, let's see what the definition of the body of Christ is. The body, the body of Christ, the body, uh, which is, you know, the church, which is his body, is the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Yeah, that's pretty big. That's kind of what you would say a treasure relationship with God is. Yeah, that's now, the body of Christ. Yeah, and seeing, and that's the way it is in Christ. Yeah. Everything is everyone has an immediate treasure relationship with God. That's a come, the body isn't divided. And the definition isn't like, we've got a definition for this group and we've got a definition for that group because we're all at different levels. Right. No, right when a person comes into Christ, the treasure, which is Christ in you, comes in and you are made a member of the body of Christ and therein, everyone has this same treasure relationship with God, which is the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Yeah. Whether you're just came into Christ or you've been there 2,000 years, yeah. everyone has a perfect... Source and substance is the same. Source and substance. God is seeing the whole body in the fullness of his son. Wouldn't that be a crazy looking body if the... You know, this hand was a little baby hand and the rest of it was an adult. 
I mean, that's not how the body works. Mm. You know, it's all contained and sustained by one life that works in it. You know, and that's how the body of Christ is. And, you know, and Paul is saying, hey, man, you know, we all have the same thing. Yes. We all have the same thing. And you can see him. I'm going to get back to Charlene here in sure, just sure, a minute. Sure. But over here, and uh, see, where did I do with this? Uh, oh, I lost my bookmark. Uh, in in a, uh, Philippians chapter 2, look how important same is. I just want to just that everybody sees that they have a treasure relationship with God because when it's the same, you've got wonderfulness. Mm-hmm. We're all on the same page. We're all in the same one with all the same relationship, with all the same, have the same treasure. And over here in Philippians uh, 2, it says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ. Now notice that this is important. Any. Yeah. Any <laughs> consolation in Christ. If any comfort of love, <laughs> if any fellowship of the Spirit. Yeah, it all hinges on this. <laughs> any bowels of mercy. Yeah. I mean, this man's coming to like, hey, you know, it, and he's already been around a while and he's seen a lot of things and gone through a lot. And he's saying, look, man, if there's anything to this, yeah. he says, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, same relationship with God, the same treasure relationship. I can just add that, yeah, you know, being of one accord and of one mind. I'm just going to stop there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but see this, uh, this, uh, you know, we were just talking about, you know, uh, everybody having this same relationship and that the body of Christ defines the same relationship. Every member has that same relationship. And it's important to know that how much you know or don't know doesn't change the definition of the body of Christ. Right. You, how can you exceed the fullness of him that filleth all in all? <laughs> That's God's point of view. Mm-hmm. Now, man's point of view is over here. I've been saved for 50 years, and I know the Bible backwards and forwards. So I'm up here, and you're down here. No, the people who are ministers of the gospel, which is good news 24-7, yeah. is telling those who just come in, you have the same thing I've got. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Yes. I don't care how much I've done, how stupid, you know, and how much I've spent myself and I've given. How much I've given up. Given up or all of these things. Because when you do that, it becomes, I mean, I wrote recently, I was, I was listening to someone and I wrote recently, I hate biographies. When you're up there presenting the gospel and you're giving your biography. Now, I don't mind someone saying, here's here's the journey that I took. Right. Here's what happened with me. That's fine. But when you do it in a biographical way of saying, here's how it worked with me and it must work with you this same way. If you don't give up the same things to the same degree, 
you're not where I am spiritually. You know what I'm saying? Those type of things. Self-aggrandizing statements. Maybe not on purpose. But in the whole time you're doing that, you know what you're doing? Hiding the treasure. Right. Absolutely. You're not presenting to them, here's a reality whether you gave anything up or not. Maybe somebody didn't have to give up an obsession or or an addiction or something like that. Does that mean the salvation they received was any less? No. We received the same. So I can't say my experience is mirrored in this one or that one. It can't be. Uh, that does, that's not the point. It's not how it happens. It's what takes place. Amen. We focus so much on the how it happens. It doesn't matter. That, that, I could be born again the moment I was naturally born by just a miracle of God. Amen. You know what? It's the same as somebody 50 years old that did it. This is not us doing this. Even the work of forgiveness and uh, the faith to believe, that's a gift. All of it. It's a gift of God. we got to get ourselves out of the picture. That's the whole point. And in, in the light of that, let me just read this. Because I, I, we were talking about this before we started. Here's, here's a prophecy in Ezekiel, or part of Ezekiel 22. And I, I want to... If you who are listening, give me the liberty to do this. I want to make this applicable in in a way here. It says, Son of man, say unto her, Thou art the land that is not cleansed, nor reigned upon in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy. That means an alliance. They have the same mind of her prophets in the midst of her. Like a roaring lion. Whose nature would that be? Lying a lion ravening the prey. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and the precious things and made many widows in the midst thereof. What is that talking about? I mean, to me, you can, you can refer that to the priests of the day, the preachers who think they're preaching the gospel. What are they doing? They're taking the treasure away. They're removing the precious thing and they're placing something else in view. They're making you, you know, focus your attention on the vessel instead of the riches and precious thing. Amen. And they're making widows, which means removing the whole relationship. You know, where's Jesus? Oh, he's up there coming back sometime. In the meantime. What about relationship? <laughs> What about union with him? What about the husband and the bride and the marriage supper? Oh, that comes later in the whole deal. No, 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 it doesn't. The gospel is found in him, having nothing of our own. The gospel is the union of the soul to the man of spirit. I mean, what you were talking about a while ago, it's coming from Adam to Christ, the man of earth to the man of earthen to the man of spirit, the Lord himself, the Lord. That's the resurrection being referred to there. What we're talking about is the resurrection. Amen. Salvation is the resurrection of of, of one man who calls to those dead and says, come to me. Amen. And I'll give you rest, which means what? Life. Because in that life is found rest, righteousness, peace, all of it. And it's as simple as that. 
is souls hearing the voice of the beloved who calls to them and who comes to him. Because he, he even says, the priests have violated my law, profaned the holy things, because they have put no difference between the holy and the profane, neither showed the difference between the unclean and the clean. That's what happens when we conflate the vessel and the treasure and make them the same. Amen. Or don't show the difference between the first and the second and the spirit and the flesh and Adam and Christ. No, we say this is for this. The spirit works to make the flesh like the spirit. God works in us to make us like God. No, we just read a while ago. The whole point of this is to show that it is of God and not of you. Amen. To show the perfect contrast that there's a treasure in a piece of dirt that cannot ever be confused with a treasure. Amen. I can't look at you and, and confuse you with the treasure. Amen. But that's what we want. We want people to look at us and see the treasure. Just the reflection of the treasure would be good. There is no correlation. We're talking about something altogether other than me. And that's the mercy of God. And that's what he says here in 2 Corinthians 3 or, or verse 4. The very first verse says this, seeing we have this ministry, Amen. we have received mercy. mercy. That's the whole treasure in the vessel, mercy. And we faint not because we have received mercy. Thank God, man. That's that's good news. You receive it right when you receive him. Yes. It's the whole package with, it, this is a, a, right at the beginning, you're at the end. Right, sir. The, Absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to use this word consummation here mm -hmm. because your salvation is consummated right when you're born again. Yes, sir. Why? Because it's never going to change. Right. A consummation well, let me say it this way. It was consummated in Christ. Right. Never to be changed. Always so. Real eternally. The soul receives him. Amen. You know what that means? The salvation who is Christ in you will never change. Amen. Because before it got to you, it was already secure and perfect and complete. Consummated already. Consummated to before the max. Before it got to you. To the max because it is Christ. Yeah. And so it's a lot like the Abraham situation. It was consummated before it came to you. When it comes to you, do you think it's going to change? I mean, God had it already consummated in, in his beloved son. It came to you as a gift. Do you think that you have the power now to change that to any degree? See, that's how beautiful this is. Absolutely. Because our hands are, you can't touch this. No. And, it, and, and, uh, People who do die. Yeah. I mean, really. I mean, just then that's, I think that's a type when they saw that the ark was falling off the wagon and somebody's, oh, I'm going to help this. Yeah. No, this ain't of man. All a man can do is declare the wonderfulness of it. Yeah. And all those who are born again, the only thing that they don't have is seeing what they have. Sure. It's, it's you know, and hey, everybody's in that boat. <laughs> and always will be. Always will be. Because this is an eternal thing. Now, I wanted to say this again about um, 
Charlene just to kind of, you know, in, sure, you sure. know, bring this. And we've talked about this Raven and, uh, because I was in that situation, we talked about it because I had to come to some grips with this. Cause I, you know, uh, but see when you're born again, now some of the definitions that, that pertain to that is you've passed from death into life. Mm -hmm. You've been translated from the power of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. And that re relates to you were taken out of Adam and placed in Christ when you came to Christ because the greater was able to overpower the lesser yeah. at the cross. Which is the whole reality of covenant. Yeah, That's the whole reality of covenant. And, and so uh, those are just a, a few, you know, uh, you who are dead in sin, now hath he quickened together with Christ. Right. You know, and, you know, have been, you know, uh, raised up and made to sit with heaven in, in heavenly places in Christ. That's a born again statement. Mm -hmm. You were in sin. Now you're in Christ, you know, in heavenly places. When? It's an immediate thing. Quickened with Christ. It's over with folks mm -hmm. because he's the end of the law of righteousness that came, that comes into a soul. But one thing about it, it's the soul that passes from death unto life. Yeah. The, the earthen vessel does not pass from death unto life. Right. If it did, we would have eternal life. Immediately. Immediately. This birth. body would never die. If it was tied to the redemption. If it was tied to the redemption. Just like new birth is, the way it's preached by some. Yeah. Then the immediate moment you were born again, you would also be healed physically forever. Right. Now, that doesn't seem to be happening. No. <laughs> you know. And I've got heartburn right now. <laughs> it's all that coffee. <laughs> and it's that that's the thing that people don't wanna at least consider. They just throw things out there. Like Physical healing is part of the part of the uh, atonement. That's the word atonement, yeah. which is the same as you know. But it's it's tied to the atonement. No, it's not. No, physical healing is not. True healing is a healing that can't revert back. A healing that's going to end up in death anyway. I mean, because even if you're physically healed, guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to die. Your body's going to eventually give up. So that can't be the whole end all of, of, of the atonement and redemption. There has to be something eternal tied to it. We bring it down into an earthly level, and which we do with all things of God. And that's the whole point, too. You know, with people, I mean, what you read here, we're perplexed on every side, persecuted, all the things that he says, but yet there's a treasure, an anchor that holds us in the midst of it. This is something, if we understand it, that should answer these questions. If it's finished, if he's done all things, if it's a complete work, why is this world still in such a mess? If it's done, if it's complete, why are people still sick and die? Why are these things happening? Why is this happening? Jesus says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But rejoice. Why? I've overcome the world. Amen. 
And we look at that, and we look at the world, and we look at that, and we look at the world, and say, hey, wait a minute, what? what? And we think that's some kind of an abstract statement that means nothing. Oh, it means everything. It doesn't mean that these things aren't going to be there, and this isn't going to happen. It means I've overcome it in that I've created a world, a creation, greater than that. And if you'll come to me, I'll bring you into something that's much more real. Maybe not be real, maybe not much more real to your natural cognizance and perspective, because this is the realm all of that is tied to. But I will open your eyes to the realm of spirit, of truth, of reality that is far greater, that is tied to the treasure and not the vessel. And that change of understanding, perspective, view, however you want to say it, is a work only God can do. You can't learn that. You can't teach that into somebody either. You can't theologically debate that into somebody. That is a work only God can do. That's him opening the eyes of your soul to behold the reality he knows to be true. That is him showing you how you are truly known and related to by him. Amen. So that you can rest in the assurance of an unseen, because that's what he goes on to say, right? In 2 Corinthians 4. Right. While we look not at the things that are seen. All of this stuff happening to him. You're not looking at the earthen vessel for the thing. No. If that was true, Paul would have been one depressed man. Boy, I tell you. Prison, stone, left for dead, all of the things he says. But we don't look at the things that are seen. Are they there? Yeah. Am I feeling the rock when it hits me? Absolutely. But we look at that. We behold that. Our attention is enthralled with that which can't be seen. Amen. That which is eternal. Again, that may not seem like much to people when they just hear that on the surface. That's just like what you said before we started recording. That seems like mind over matter. That seems like it's, I'm just trying to believe it until it becomes, you know, kind of my DNA. No, that's your soul being awakened to the excellency of a treasure instead of the non-excellency and non-gloriousness of a vessel. Amen. You know. Amen. And, you know, uh, in my wife's case, you know, uh, I just had to keep pressing the issue that, you know, she didn't have an earthen vessel relationship because it was deteriorating as every day went by. And you couldn't, and, and the more you hung on to it, then the worse you'd feel, you know? It's it's important to, to come to at least a hearing that yeah. you have a treasure relationship with God, which in, um, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 3, says, you know, that's related to precious stone, gold and silver. Yeah. Now, an earthen relationship with God is wood, hay, stubble. And, you know, that which is seen, you know, versus that which is not seen. Mm -hmm. You know, if you keep looking at that which is seen as your relationship with God, you've got something that can, man, that is subject to a lot, subject of, things. To a lot of things. And, you know, it's not, wood, hay, stubble means there's no foundation there. 
precious stone. You can just, you know, even search it out, gold and silver, even in Revelation. You're talking about a sure the foundation. foundation. Yep. And the whole thing in, in 1 Corinthians 3 was, hey, be careful that you don't build something else on because no other foundation can be laid that is laid. And that foundation is laid when a person is born again. Right. That found that treasure, that's the foundation comes in the soul. And that's how come right from the beginning, you are secured. You've got a foundation that is not movable, right. will never change. And you, and your and that means your relationship with God is always treasure mm -hmm. instead of earthen. Yes, it's yes. heavenly yep. always, not earthy, heavenly, yep. and that can be searched out and proven over and over again <coughs> in the Scripture. Yes, and uh, uh, and and you know, and I think he right when we're born again, God's intention is to bring us to, hey man, you've got this perfect relationship with God that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter one, where you're blessed. This is the treasure again with all spirit. See that's see when the word all comes in, now you're talking treasure here and spiritual, with, and spiritual. <laughs> you know, you're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's your relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about, you know, well, I'm hurting. Still, that's the truth, though. That's the way God knows you. You've got a perfect relationship with God there. All spiritual blessings. You know, uh, uh, according to what? You know, uh, we're being persecuted. Hey, pray that we stop being persecuted. <laughs> it, it, this is this is exceedingly abundantly. I keep going back to that, but you know, it even goes down to say, you know, you know, um, you know, to the praise and glory of His grace, where we been made accepted mm -hmm. in the beloved. That's treasure. Yes, You're is. made accepted. You're not, you know, and uh, somebody was talking about obedience and I had to say, I, it's good. You know, I, I'm not against just being obedient to what the Lord tells you to do. But as far as your relationship with God, it's secured by, he, he, you're Romans made five. righteous by the obedience of one man. Of one man. That's Romans five. Yep. And, and uh, I just. Uh, that deflates the bubble because it all started with a perfect obedience. Right. How are you going to, how are you going to uh, overdo that? You know, can you be that obedient? No, you're just a recipient of the grace provided in his. Amen. Obedience. Where you've been made accepted in the beloved. Yes. To what degree? It's in Romans. It's in Ephesians 1. You're holy without blame before God in love. And that now, before God part, you said before we started, God refuses to know you any other way. Amen. And I want you to elaborate on that. Is there any elaboration to that? That's pretty good. <laughs> There's no need to elaborate much. Jesus is going to the cross. Yes. Why right. would you go through all of this? Why would God allow his son to go through all of this? And produce a covenant that's so awesome that, you know, where all of a sudden you would have a treasure relationship, a not I but Christ relationship with God, a yeah. not earthen vessel but treasure relationship with God. Now, G Jesus is going through a whole lot to make sure 
that you would have him as your relationship with God, accepted in the beloved. Yeah. A high priest relationship with God, yeah. not a low priest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not an underdog relationship with God. Yeah, but an overcomer. Overcome, you know, yeah, that's, that's a come and says oversuit you, you know, all these big terms come in yeah. because it's always based on the treasure. Yeah. And he goes through all of this and God's, you know, why? Because God's going to give you a treasure relationship with God. And because it's signed and sealed by his son, he refuses to know you any other way. Absolutely, because he will not override his own doing, his own purpose, his own covenant. He's not going to break his own covenant. Mm -hmm. He has has, uh, affixed himself to his own covenant, and he will not deviate from it. And that was testified of in the Holy of Holies. How many people were able to go there? Right. And, you know, in in talking about the covenant, because he could not swear by anybody else that was greater than him, he swore by himself. Yes, sir. And um, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing, you know. Now, I've been saved a long time. But through the years, you know, I'm just, you know, I've just, I've lived it. Mm -hmm. You know, where... How come I, I, I'm feeling this way about my salvation, but God is telling me every morning, old things are passed away, all things become new, mm-hmm. have become new. And I'm thinking, how <laughs> is this true? Yeah. And He was he's making a point of it. Yeah. In the midst of my stupidity, yeah. he's making a point of that. And I'm thinking, come on now, you got to be, Looking, you got to be knowing me some other way than the other earthen vessel, or else this is over with. Should be. Should be. But he's looking at the treasure ever since 1972. He's looking at this treasure going, we've been going. I wish I would have known, heard something like this back in 1972 when somebody would say, hey, you have a treasure relationship with God, no matter how this earthen vessel and mine wasn't very good. It hasn't been very good at any time. But, you know, the, how this earthen vessel is up one day, down another, real spiritual, then, man, just like, my God. And that's all my perception. Yeah, all my, my perception, yeah. all this, uh, you know, while we're looking at the God doesn't scene, play roller coaster. Yeah, games. he's not doing that. I had a treasure relationship with God, and so does everyone else yeah. who's born again at any point in time. Yeah. You know, they yeah. have that. Yeah, here's this straight line. That's God's view of it. Yeah. Here's me. Yeah. <laughs> up and down. Up yeah, and down. Just, I mean, it's just two like different color lines. Right? One's my view of me and one's one's God's view of my salvation. And they're not the same, you know, perspectives, but that's the whole work of God in the soul that is born again, to bring your soul to the true perspective. The straight yes. line. The straight line. The straight to line. show you there's no variation to it. There's no shadows of turning. It doesn't move. It doesn't change. It is the same yesterday, today, forever. That's that's the treasure. That's salvation. That's a foundation. That's the real. That's foundation. where you have stability. Yes, sir. 
That's where stability comes in. And, you know, and then and, and it says right off the bat, you're complete in Christ. Yeah. And that completion means consummation. That, that, that you have received something that has, and I like the way you said that, it has been consummated before you received it. Yeah, you so should. you don't have to wait on something to be consummated. Absolutely. And I've known people, you know, I've, I've heard this. You know, this one gentleman was telling me, you know, I go there and I, you know, and this one other person he's talking to, you know, who's been saved a long time and knows the Bible backwards and forwards. He says, there's got to be a consummation to this. And this is years and years after salvation. And, I, and, and nobody had an answer for it. They thought it was this, and this never happened. So the person dies not knowing that his, he received a consummated salvation, yeah. that he had to be somehow the consummation of it. Right. You know, and that's kind of the way religion comes in and says, hey, you have to be the consummation of this. Yeah. You know, it, God's looking at you to consummate yeah, this. His, thing. his grace empowered you. Now yeah. you have to do the rest. You got to do it. You got to you got to lean on that empowerment to live the life. So you who were <coughs> weary and heavy laden when you came to Christ, now you're more weary and heavy laden. <laughs> you know now, you know, and you got the cart before the horse, mm. and man that's, alive, that's boy. A big horse. And some people can push that for a long time, but a lot of people start to push it and they die immediately. Yeah, the they cart. can't. They cannot. They're just trying to breathe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The, the you know? cart's in front of the horse and you're behind the horse pushing. Right. It's sad. And it's going to kick you eventually. <laughs> That's whatever always happens. That's called a bummer. <laughs> when I was back in the That's 60s, that would be a bummer. Yeah, a bummer. And you wouldn't want that. That's a bad trip. That's man. a bad trip, man. <laughs> uh, uh, keep going. Well, let's see here. See if I have anything here that I just um, want to, oh, here's one. Yeah. I want to just say this. I knew I could feel in my spirit that you had more to say. <laughs> I had to I write it down or else I wouldn't remember. <laughs> We've been kind of flying around, you know? Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. Well, I want to bring this out because I thought this is really good. This is in Galatians 3 and... Uh, the whole chapter begins with old foolish Galatians. Yeah. And I could just say, because you have reverted to an earthen re relationship with God. That's a great and, you know, and here we're going to verse three and the, the word still holds true there. Are you so foolish? See, this is, this becomes a foolishness. Mm -hmm. And are you so foolish having begun in the spirit with this treasure, because that's when you began in the spirit, yep. with this treasure. Uh, are you now made perfect in the flesh by the earthen vessel? You began with the treasure. Now you're going to the earthen vessel to define your relationship with God. You're foolish, man. Yeah. And see, and this is a real sad thing that somebody who has a treasure is not enjoying the treasure. Mm -hmm. That they're trying to find the fulfillment of their salvation in the earthen vessel. Yes, sir. And, and that is a, a, a hard, 
And you know, a lot of in the thing, what people say over the pulpit means something. It does. If you're, if the object is the earthen vessel, you're putting this people in a foolish position. Yeah, you're hurting. You're hurting them. It's, the a, it's a serious of, thing. This is really. very serious because this is what we're in here. This flesh and blood body, this is real. The situations we are are real. It demands the treasure. (laughs) You know, you need to have that relationship. We demand something greater. It demands something way greater. And if you're making the object, the earth and vessel, then you're intensifying the problem. If they're not declaring something to you greater than you. Amen. Meaning Christ. Right. In you. You're not hearing the gospel. No good news there? No, because, I mean, that's just as simple as I can make it. Amen. You're not hearing the gospel. If you're hearing you at all, if you're not hearing there is a reality beyond you, greater than you, holding you when you can't do it, when because you can't do it, I mean, any of that, you're not hearing the gospel if you're not hearing that. Just, just plain and simple. Amen. It's dangerous. And... People don't, you know, people that get up and say things don't seem to take that into account. No, I can't, I can't, I cannot deteriorate someone's salvation. Not in my power to do. Right. But you know what I can do? I can divert their attention from it. And that's dangerous. That's so, so true. Because the longer they're beholding themselves, and think that's the only thing there is to behold. And all Jesus is is a means to perfect what they're seeing. Then eventually they're going to tire or just get disgusted and say, I'm done. Or they're going to work their whole lives until they die. Trying to do what what's right here. Trying to perfect something that's already perfect which is what the word actually means there. Made perfect by the flesh, it means to further perfect. How do you further perfect perfection? Amen. You can't. That is a losing proposition. And most people are caught up in it. And that's a bad, that's terrible. It's terrible. It breaks my heart. It does because, you know, if, if we didn't have a need, yeah. you know, for for this wonderful relationship with God that's based on the treasure of Christ as a gift into your soul, that you don't have to worry, you know, that is gonna, is permanently stamped into your soul, that you can't, you can't change no matter how hard you try. Because there's just a door that you come into that thing doesn't open the other way. Mm-hmm. And I've tried to open that door to get out. <laughs> and that's a sad thing because I had an earthen vessel relationship with God. And after a while I said, Oh, this is a work. This is a, this is bad. Yeah. I want out of this, yeah. you know, cause you go through so many stupid things that way. And, but that door never did open the other way. And, And it amazed me that no matter, I couldn't do anything about what 
you know, you're not going to, you know, uh, what would you, I think there's a legal term for it, but you're not going to be able to reverse this overturn, overturn, overturn this transaction of being taken out of the power of darkness and put into the kingdom of, of God's dear. You cannot overpower that. During the destruction of the first creation, the door was shut <laughs> by God, by God. And it didn't open until they were in the midst of a new creation. Amen. That is so true. You know, God shut it. God opened it. They hate, they couldn't. <laughs> Do you know there was a lot of times where they were like, my God, what's going on? We've been in here a pretty long time. It makes no sense. What's going on? The only time the door opened was to introduce them to a new creation. And that was God's doing. And Amen. it always is. Amen. That door, that door is God's thing. <laughs> that's God's <laughs> deal. I am the door. I would say that is. Yeah. But I mean, that's like this whole thing of perfecting in the flesh, having begun the spirit. It reverts back to what he said just a few verses up. I'm crucified with Christ. Amen. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ. There's perfected in the spirit. Amen. There is begun in the spirit. Now. Yeah, that is true. You trying to do something beyond that is trying to further perfect perfection. Not I, but Christ is perfection. See, we don't think that because we think the I has to have more prominence, a more prominent role. Christ lives. He lives in us as the only determining factor of salvation. He is the high priest standing before God. And the scripture says, we are found in him. That's how we're holy and without blame before his sight. Right. Because our standing is defined by the one man standing there, securing for us and in us what we couldn't secure ourselves. That, that war has been fought. That battle has been won. And now we live by the power of, of the grace of God and mercy of God. I mean, that's the whole thing Ephesians talks about. It's the exercising of his power to usward who believe. Amen. I mean, the fact that it is not I but Christ, the fact that there's a treasure that overrides this whole weakened earthen vessel is the full and complete exhibition of his power. Amen. You want to find power and God's power exerted in its most perfect ultimate way? There it is. But he caveats it by saying this was first ex exercised in him raising Christ from the dead. You know what that means? The power that has brought my soul to not I but Christ was first summed up, consolidated, confirmed, uh, consummated, in his son first and then gifted to my soul as a complete work. Amen. The exercising of a complete salvation, meaning I had nothing to do with this. God has exercised a, a, a complete work that he exercised in his son before I even came along. You were saying, you know, God's known me this way since 1973. That's true. The reason he can do that is because he knew his son before 1973. Amen. Amen. And he brought you into a knowing that was already going on before you arrived, and it'll go on 
forever. Amen. You know, that's the security of this. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you, you take the marriage, uh, you take uh, the, the wedding feast of Canaan. Mm -hmm. Okay. You have these pots. One, you know, before, you know, that when, when they run out of wine and everything, you have these, these vessels that are, you know, not, not full, not full. And then Jesus comes along and says, fill them to the brim. Now that's salvation. It's, this is going to be an overflowing thing. It's going to be, you can't add to this anymore because this is a type of salvation that's, that, that the, I'm going to bring a full, a complete one. This is the marriage we're really talking about, you know, with, you know, this is salvation. This is the new birth. You're complete. This is just a representation of, of uh, what's going to be when Christ enters your soul so that the body of Christ would be the fullness of him yeah. that filleth all in all. Yeah. You can't add no more. And this is going to be the real McCoy, not the cheap wine from that, you know, that was first introduced, but the, for the purpose of this other one. Now, or you know what I mean? They filled it with water. They filled it with water. Let me correct you just a second. Okay, do it, do it, do it. Okay. I wanted to bring this out. When these vessels are filled with water, what you're seeing there is basically the fullness of man. Right, okay. You're going to see, hey, he's filled, but he's filled with water. What did what was what was the whole point? Why? Right. So what did Jesus do? He changed the internal condition of it. He changed it from water to wine. Amen. That's that's the new birth. Right. Him taking the fullness of man's condition, dead, you know, the what the water represents is just nothing and changing the whole thing bringing about an internal change from one thing to another thing from, uh, from what is nothing to what is, you know, said by them, you saved the best for now. Right. Now the best things come. That's now the, the treasure. Change. Now the treasures come. Now the reality that was always looked for has come. This is the best thing. And that's what salvation is. It's the best thing. It's the thing that, you know, has always been desired, longed for. I mean, they even call Jesus the, the uh, desire of the nations. Whether they knew it or not, that's the desire. Amen. And he fulfills it. And the salvation is the whole changing of the one to the other, the one material to another material altogether. He doesn't make the water taste like wine. He turns the water into wine. I like it's that definition. That, that really flared up. Uh, it's, it's the same as the vessel in Ezekiel. He doesn't take a vessel with a flaw in it and change it, fix it. It says he made it again another vessel. Total change. Different. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, I knew there was something in there. Oh, yeah. That deal with. Because there is a fullness with men and Adam. Yeah. I'm yeah. full. I'm yeah. complete. Adam, not I, but Adam. That's the reality. Yeah, yeah. I and it's complete, man. That there's there's a just such a new thing coming, mm -hmm. but it's full and complete. It's full. You don't have to 
you can't, you, you, you don't have to do anything to make it better. Mm-mm. You know, the best has come, mm-hmm. you know, and that came and, and it's something that we didn't deserve. You can't work for it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a miracle. A, it's a miracle. It's a gift of miracle. Yeah, it's the that, first miracle. Why do you think that was the first one? <laughs> I mean, it's a perfect picture. It's a perfect picture. You know, and, the uh, marriage, the wedding, and the wine and vessels change like that. I mean, there's the perfect picture. It's a perfect picture. Um, and anyway, I, I well, enjoyed this, uh, Raven. And Me too. Uh, I'm just uh, thankful for just being here with you and Kim. And well, we'll do this again as the Lord permits. In several years, is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to allow that. As you twist my heart. I rebuke you. <laughs> All right. So that's the end, guys. We appreciate you listening. Hopefully this is, uh, you know, helped. We're um, hearing, like John said, this needs to at least be heard. This needs to be presented scripturally. People need to know that this is what the scriptures actually present. And then as we're doing right now, present this to the Lord. Present this to the spirit of truth to make this truth that is present and complete in you, known in you. And so with that, we leave it to the spirit of the Lord to do that. And uh, thanks for listening. Amen.